the director. But I do want to say that Dave is a great guy. He's a good friend. He's a father. He's a husband, of course. He's a grandpa. He loves his family. He loves his extended family. He's uh, he's handsome. <laughs> careful now, careful. And and as you'll see in a moment, he really knows how to dress. <laughs> Go ahead, stand up just for a second, Dave. I mean, you know, what can I say? <laughs> I mean, this was. Uh, this was not planned. <laughs> and uh, after we, he stayed with us, and as he came, I came out, he went, uh-oh. <laughs> I said, oh, don't worry about it. If we were girls, one of us would go change. <laughs> I said, but there's a high likelihood that we'll get to church and Pastor Mike will be wearing the same shirt. <laughs> I know he's got one too. But anyway, Dave's been a pastor for 35 years. And we kind of go, whoa. You know, 35 years, I, uh, that's, that's quite an achievement. Pastoring four churches, most recently with the Philadelphia Church in Seattle. He's in the Seattle area, Linwood, if you're familiar with that area, is where he lives. Um, I could take you down this list of amazing things he's done, uh, but as is generally the case, when somebody comes to minister here, we believe that they're going to be same page people now the clothing is just a little tight but he really is we're same page with him and uh, as we've spent time in fellowship we just uh, we're amazed we even know the same people uh, pastor mike and, and they were sharing last night about previous ministry in montevideo minnesota where they i mean they actually know and have have common friends there that's how small the world gets in a hurry and so we're a part of his world. He's living in our world, but we're all in the same kingdom. And I appreciate that he has gone full time now to be the, he is the presence of IRR TV in the United States. He is the ministry. And he goes everywhere across the nation, making the ministry known and also just ministering. He's not just promoting a ministry that's, that's valuable and important. But he's also ministering to the body of Christ at large as he goes. And so we appreciate that. And I want you to welcome Dave Ogren. Thank you, buddy. It is a joy to be here, and we've joked about this shirt thing. We probably will joke about it for a long time. Um, it is my joy to be here, and uh, it's been a great thing for me to hang out with Pastor Jeff and Peggy and and uh, we were over at Joe's house the other night, Joe and Linda's, and hang out with Mike. It's been great, wonderful. So, um, let me just share briefly with you about the Ministry of International Russian Radio and Television. This was a ministry started by a man by the name of Hanu Halka. Say Hanu Halka. <laughs> it's a Finnish name. Uh, Hanu was, uh, grew up in Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, went to high school there, graduated from high school there, felt a call to ministry, ended up going to Finland to go to Bible college, kind of his heritage, Finnish heritage. So we went back to Finland, went to Bible college, ended up going to Russia on some trips that captured his heart. Met a young lady there by the name of Laura. She captured his heart. Um, eventually, he was able to get her out 
of Russia. This was in the late 70s. Uh, uh, yeah, late, late, late 70s. So, uh, uh, very exciting story, actually. Uh, and we just ran out of books, so I'm, I'm out of books. Um, but really a neat story about, about all, how all of that happened. They, they come back into Finland. It's now 1980. They're living in this little apartment north of Helsinki. And they, they, in their bedroom, they, they carve out a little, little studio. And they start doing cassette tapes in the Russian language and giving it to shortwave radio stations and sending it um, throughout Russia. Well, it really looked like a ministry that was not going to happen. I mean, this wasn't going anywhere. This was a little, this little teeny tiny ministry. But you know, God began to bless it, multiply it. In five years, they were doing about 1,200 hours a year on radio into Russia. Had a staff of five. By 1990, God had blessed them with a couple of television cameras uh, by CBN, Pat Robertson, uh, some $200,000 worth of equipment, and and it 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 launched them into television ministry. Uh, one of the first things they did was was uh, they were given free airspace uh, across all of Russia, free of charge, paid by the Russian government on state television. Uh, it was an amazing opportunity, preaching the gospel on state television um, in 1990. And in the process, they took CBN's little children's program called Superbook, which is a cartoon program, and did a voiceover on it, put it on television, and to their amazement, one month they received some one million letters into their post office box. Now, what would happen to you if in Big Bear you went to your post office box and they said, hey, you know, you're getting hundreds of thousands of letters into your post office box every day. They'd say, we cannot handle that. And that's exactly what they said in Russia. This is crazy. But what it did was it put them on the map, gave them credibility, and they began to do... Now, you know, through the years, they've done radio and television in places like Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, now China, Iran, Turkey, Egypt. Uh, some of these countries, they do it by, by satellite. The Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan is all state television, weekly television broadcasting, radio, that part of the world, uh, Arabic broadcasting, radio and television, including a website that... Um, uh, that's all in Arabic that gets something like 100,000 hits a day from the Arabic world. It's amazing. Amazing. That's all part, one, one part of the ministry, and they've done that basically since 1990. 2003, they were introduced to a concept that they took from Campus Crusade for Christ, actually, tweaked it and made it fit them. And, 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 uh, since 2003, God is just blasted the doors off of this ministry in just amazing ways. And, and, and this is kind of the heart of it. They go into megacities where they're invited. They don't go anywhere where they're not invited. They're invited by churches, usually 20 to 30 churches in Kiev, Ukraine. We were invited by 100 churches there, but most often it's 20 to 30 churches. We've done 15 cities now uh, since, since 2003. Yet in this year, we're going to do three more uh, in Russia and in Kazakhstan. And um, and next year, God willing, we're doing 20 to 30 cities all at the same time. And when you see the concept, you'll see that this is going to be a miracle if we're able to pull it off. So uh, so this is this is how we do. We go into cities, gather the pastors. Pastors make a long list of 100 testimonies from their region, the best testimonies they can find from their part of the country. So here it'd be 
Big Bear, be this area right here. And, 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 and so then after they find those 100 testimonies, they bring it down to 26 of the best of the best testimonies from their region. Then our camera crews come in out of Finland and we do very professionally done documentaries on each one of these life stories. Okay, so now we have 26 life stories that are documented as far as how they live, what happened in their life, maybe somebody that was on crack cocaine or an alcoholic or a, or a, or a local musician or a, or a local business person or whatever. Okay, so, so now we have these 26 testimonies on life stories on, on what happened through their life and what led them to personal faith in Christ and how Jesus Christ transformed their life. That's all that's on that life story. And then there's just a phone number on it. That's it. That's the only thing that's on these life story videos is, is, is the life story and a telephone number. There's no preaching, nothing else. It's just a story of somebody's life. Then we purchase state television time. We don't do satellite or cable in, in almost any place that we go because, because most people in that part of the world don't have it. I mean, it's available, but they can't afford it. So we go on state television. We purchase uh, usually television time from the most uh, well-known station in the whole area and covers the whole region. And, and we buy primetime time. We don't, it's not 3 o'clock in the morning. This is like uh, 7 or 7.30 every night. In Kiev, Ukraine, 5 million people. We were on, the, on Channel 1, uh, the largest television station in that whole region, 7.30 every night. And so every night for a whole month, what happens is there's a life story on television. Every night, prime time after the news, there's a life story of somebody's life that is changed by the power of the gospel. How many think that's good news? That is wonderful news. Okay, so, so then we train. We train 100 to 150 um, telephone counselors. We set up a, a call center. It's 24-7. So, so people can call in any day, any, any time of the day, whatever. So, 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 we, so we do that. Then we, then we train 900 to 1,000 people from the congregations to do home visitation. We, we train them how to go into sensitively into homes and train people. We print 50,000 books like this for every city. Every city gets its own book. Um, some of it is the same because it's Campus Crusade for Christ follow-up materials, how to receive Christ, first steps of faith, discipleship materials. And then, and then in all of these books, there are 10 testimonies from that region. So, so this is given to every government official in the city. It's given to every police officer in the city. It's, it's, it's also used for, for concerts in secular locations. It's, it's, it's used for, for campaigns that local churches do afterwards. But it's primarily used for our outreach during these 30 days. Okay? So what happens, people call in to the call center and then the local churches each have a division of the city that they're responsible for. Before all of this starts, they pray, prayer walk that city two weeks before and, 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 and they pass out, they, they distribute uh, brochures to every home in their district. Uh, we, we usually print four to five hundred thousand brochures distributed door to door to every home. And then we then we hire a local ad agency, and we we do twelve to sixteen, sometimes twenty billboards in the city. We do um, full page newspaper ads. We do uh, twelve to sixteen hundred huge posters that are put up in every subway and every bus station in the city, and, and, and basically we blast the city with advertisement, including radio and television spots on secular radio and television. 
And so basically, the whole city knows of these life stories that are going to be happening during this 30-day period. And then, and then it begins to happen. And people begin to call in. And in every city, the, the, the least we've received in any city is 4,000 calls. The most we've received is just recently now in Israel. And that's a whole other story where we were in Israel actually for four months. We received 15,800 phone calls right from Israel. Amazing open doors. Um, the Russian um, the Russian community is very large in Israel, 1.7 million. 20% of Israel is now Russian. So that was our door into the country. We began to broadcast on Russian television. And, and through that, they heard about our 30-day um, events. And they then said, we'd love to do this in Israel. So, so it's just... This is, this is just mind-blowing what's happening in Israel today. And we just concluded that at the end of July. But in all these cities, we have tremendous response. So, so uh, Nishni Novgorod, third largest city in Russia, we had 7,000 phone calls, 7,000 phone calls. We made 4,639 home visits. Of those home visits, by the time we heard about it, the, the churches had already done uh, uh, 2,000 homes three times. Okay, our goal is to get into homes at least three times because if we can get into homes three times, most often than not, we, you know, these people are hooked with the gospel. You know, because now they've heard the gospel, number one, they've heard it uh, on television. Now they've heard it personally by somebody who's come to their home with this book. They've brought this book in their home, shared the gospel with them, said, read this this week. Then the next week they come with the Jesus film. They see the Jesus film. Then the third week they actually come back and they invite him to a, a, a free concert in a secular location, not in a church but a secular location so that they'll, they'll go to that and they'll hear, hear the gospel for probably the fourth time at that point. And many of them come to Christ. And we are seeing literally in every city hundreds to thousands coming to Christ. That is no exaggeration. The city of Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan, extremely Islamic city, we have documented 500 conversions in that Islamic city. And we're not talking about people that just signed a card somewhere and the card got lost. These are people that are assimilated, 500 people that are assimilated into local churches, 300 of which have already been baptized in water. Amen. Just amazing, amazing things are happening. And, and, and it's just ex expanding. Now, we're going to do this, God willing, this year... Uh, in 20 to 30 cities in Russia all at the same time. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling to us as far as the task as well as the expense. But God is already, money is already starting to come in that is, is going to enable us to do this. And we feel one reason is that the door to Russia very likely may be closing. You're all hearing what's happening in Russia in the news and, and, and what's happening in the natural realm is also happening in the spiritual realm now. There, Things are closing down very quickly. And so we are grateful for the opportunity we have right now to get in that door. We're going to show you a very quick DVD right now and, and it'll, it, it'll cause you to see what I've just talked to you about.
The central Russian megacity of Samara has been a target of perhaps the most intensive evangelistic campaign ever carried out in the history of that city. Founded in 1586, Samara is known as the city of the Volga River merchants. Under Soviet times, the city was closed to the outside world because of its military and space rocket industries. Today, the city has a population of 1.5 million people. Within the last few years, churches in Russia have seen their freedom to proclaim the gospel significantly diminished. Russia has gravitated towards ultranationalism and orthodoxy. The voice of the evangelizing church has been all but muted. Only a vapor of the freedoms enjoyed in the 1990s is left. Yet the living church is the only hope for the spiritual despair of the nation. <coughs> Over 30 churches in Samara joined hands to reach 3.5 million people in Samara and its surrounding areas using television, radio and outdoor media. Thousands called the 24-7 call center. Among those who made commitments to Christ were students, pensioners, housewives, government employees, factory workers, and the unemployed. As the Aeroflot 2.154 aircraft approached the Samara International Airport, I could see thousands of apartment buildings, private homes, communal housing, log houses, structures, that resembled no more than boarded shacks. These buildings housed 1.5 million residents of the city of Samara, long-time residents, migrants, Russians, Ukrainians, Mordors, Tatars, Central Asians. Every home either had a television set or a radio set or both. Initial contact with the church leaders of the city had ignited a vision to proclaim the gospel to every home and to every person in Samara over a 30-day period. The directors of the TV channel Rio, one of the TV stations used, stated that the ratings had soared for their channel as the campaign program aired, not only in Samara but also in the city of Toliati, with a population of 1.2 million people, and Cezanne, with a population of 300,000. 26 carefully chosen dynamic life stories and locally produced by IRR TV camera crews formed the backbone of the multimedia saturation campaign. In addition, the programs were seen in hundreds of villages and townships between the three mentioned cities. The total viewing audience was estimated to have peaked at 4 million people, cumulatively speaking, throughout the campaign. The campaign was not limited only to television. Other media were also used. 560 TV and radio spots aired on major channels, which were otherwise closed to programs of Christian content. Evangelistic radio programs, including local stories of changed lives on two major FM stations, aired throughout the campaign. Sixteen full-size, six meters by three meters billboards, consisting of three portraits and slogans on a dramatic life change, appeared throughout the city. The slogans read, God destroyed the curse in our family. God freed me from heroin. Seeking riches almost destroyed me, but God saved my life. In addition, three giant video screens, 10 by 10 meters and centrally located spots in the city at three minute intervals <coughs> declared that God gives you the power to change. 300,000 campaign leaflets and brochures were delivered to 300,000 homes by hundreds of church volunteers. 1,400 posters, one meter high, went up across the city. 50,000 tailor-made, highly evangelistic, power-to-change campaign books were delivered to friends and neighbors at special events and campaign services. 
and also through the hotline service. Nine hundred believers in the city attended up to thirty hours of training and counseling and outreach for the campaign. Training was designed for pastors, telephone counselors, special representatives assisting in home visits. The call center logged over five thousand calls. Callers ranged from children to teens to adults to pensioners. Each caller was counseled on the phone, and then by campaign courier was sent a power to change book with testimonies, the plan of salvation, and a guide to the first steps in faith. As calls from viewers also jammed the phone lines at the TV station, the management was appalled. Channel staff were heard wondering aloud, what is this all about? How could a Christian program draw such record response? TV viewers in Samara witnessed a spectacle when top rehab specialists and a doctor from the city joined IRR TV staff in a discussion on live television on whether an alcoholic or drug addict can be healed of his addiction. 70% of young people in Samara use drugs and 40% of men struggle with alcohol. The medical specialists said they were not aware of a cure rate. Remission was the term they used. Addicts are deleted from the treatment lists only through death. Having said that, 20 people in the TV audience stood up testifying to total deliverance by faith in God, a true miracle. The doctors listened dumbfounded. One ex-addict turned toward the doctor and asked, Do you remember me? For 20 years I was one of your patients. I haven't touched alcohol in 7 years. I was removed from your list 2 years ago. Testimony after testimony, stories of hope unfolded. The surprise of the specialists was almost embarrassing. Over 200 people have signed up for rehabilitation through the churches. At the farewell supper with the pastors of Samara's churches, one leader after another stood up telling how they now have new cells as a result of the campaign. There are 2,000 names and addresses that the churches now need to speedily process and follow up. The campaign is over for IRR TV, but not the pastors of the city of Samara. Mm -hmm. Pastors have vowed to continue to capitalize on the opportunity for intensified ministry that the campaign has afforded them. The congregations will continue to hold special events throughout the city. Following up, the over 3,000 contacts who call the call center continues. So does the vision. Still to come is a special outreach to a boys' prison camp with 300 boys, aged 13 to 18, serving sentences of up to eight years. Supervising officer Colonel Moraev said that the boys need winter clothes and winter shoes, but these boys have never heard words such as I love you from a mother or a father. Our message to these forgotten youngsters will be, yes, somebody really does care. God loves you. And these gifts are a sign of God's love. And Jesus Christ gives you the power to change and he gives you the power to start a brand new life. They're some of the 18,000 boys and girls in 64 children's prison camps across Russia, rejected and forgotten by the outside world. They've never known the love of a mom or dad. They live behind concrete walls and barbed wire. They lack warm winter clothes and suffer from malnutrition. Help IRR TV to deliver winter clothes, food, and God's love to Russia's children's prison camps. For these boys, there's no hope. They need a miracle. Your love is their miracle. Ah!
gift of $20 feeds one child for two weeks. For $80, you can provide a child with warm winter clothes and a festive meal. Share Jesus Christ with a Russian child in prison through your love. Call now. Call toll-free 1-877-674-5630. Say children in prison. Most of the kids that you saw, thank you. Hey. Most of the kids you saw in prison, there's 18 to 20,000 kids in prison, 64 prisons, and these are prisons. These are uh, maximum security prisons. Uh, most of these kids are abandoned children that ended up on the streets and started stealing for food and then got involved with drugs and alcohol. As you heard, 70% of young people in Russia are, are, are involved in some kind of drug usage. And 40% of men are alcoholics. So, I mean, the need there is just huge in that part of the world. Once we became aware of the prisons and saw the devastating conditions about five, six years ago, we began to go in and provide food and clothing um, right directly into the prisons, right directly to the children. And um, we, we actually purchased the clothing from that region of the country where the prison is at, so it blesses the, the region. And then, and then um, uh, through our humanitarian outreach, now we have the privilege of preaching the gospel in all of these prisons. And uh, now we're able to connect local churches in all of the 64 cities where these prisons are at to begin to actually go in and mentor these children. So, so God is stepping it up a little bit at a time here for us to reach out. We're, we do about $400,000 a year in that particular outreach. And uh, we feel like God is really blessing that. I've got some brochures like this out there. Not as much as I need this morning. I am so sorry. I'm running out of materials. So feel free to take, a, take them all. And uh, if you'd like to sign up to get a monthly newsletter from us, it'd be just like this. Something like this would come to your home every month, give you an update concerning our ministry. We'll never ask you for money. I'll never call you and ask you for money. So, uh, and I'm the only one that would do that. So, so you, you don't have to worry about that. Um, but the reason we want to get this into homes is because when this comes to your home, hopefully you'll read it and then you'll pray for us and pray for the ministry that God has called us to. All right, I think that's it. And uh, how many think I can preach in 15 minutes? Yeah, yeah I proved it last night, didn't I? Yeah. All right. Uh, actually, I, 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 on my prayer walk this morning, just really felt impressed to uh, speak something different than I did last night. So, here we go. And by the way, let me hook you for, for Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday nights, right? Isn't that right? Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday nights? Um, I think Wednesday night is, is a special home group, right? So, two, two recovery cells at Keith and Okay. All right. So, great, great. So, uh, but Tuesday and Thursday night are here. And it's, it's, it's for, for particular home groups, but it's also, it's also, I think, for anybody. I'm going to be, I'm going to be walking through a teaching on forgiveness that I, I believe has been, first of all, it was very significant in my own life. I believe that God has, because of my own experience, has given me some insight into the issues of forgiveness biblically. And I want to walk you through that because I believe there's tremendous freedom that comes when we begin to understand the issues of forgiveness. So I just encourage you to come back one of those nights uh, to be a part of it. Ephesians chapter 2, though, this morning. 
just very briefly, I want to share with you a thought um, that, um, that I believe is for this morning, for here, today. Ephesians chapter 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, verse 2, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. You say that with me. God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. So, Ephesians chapter 2 describes us this way outside of Christ. Dead to God, living in sin, obeying the devil, and following the desires and the inclinations of our own sinful nature. How many can say, I was there? I can relate to that. I mean, we can all relate to that reality. That's where we have all come from. And what made the difference? What changed all of that? It is God who is so rich in mercy. It isn't because you kind of, uh, eventually figured it out. It was God who was rich in mercy, who has brought you to the place of, 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 of being confronted with the gospel in some context, maybe in numbers of times. God, by His Holy Spirit, drew you, loved you, wooed you, called you, in spite of the fact that you rejected Him. How many rejected God's wooing many times? Huh? Yeah, me too. Me too. I can relate to that fully. You know, and, and, and the reality is, is that God has been merciful to all of us. The mercy of God is at the very root of our salvation. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. It is by His great mercy. Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3 says that God is the Father of mercy. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 encourages you and I to come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because there we will find what? Mercy and grace to help in time of need. When you come to God in prayer, you're not going to be faced with condemnation and, 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 and a bitter God who is looking to cut you off of the shoestrings. You are going to find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Thanks be unto God. Now, what is mercy? You know, sometimes we talk about these terms, but what in the world is it? Mercy describes the heart of God. Mercy is very closely related to the, re, related to the concept of compassion. The heart of God is full of compassion and tender concern. He has a heart that intervenes, that forgives, that restores. Listen to this. Even what it is our own doing. You know, how many remember years ago, you know, the devil made me do it. Well, we, we all know the devil didn't make you do it. You did it, right? How many, how many acknowledge that? I did it. No, you know, the devil didn't make me do it. I did it. He was a part of the act, obviously. He was warring in your ear. But, but you did it. <laughs> and there's nobody else to blame but us. We did it. But in spite of that, God in His mercy reached out to us. Justice would say to you, Justice would say to God, judge them, condemn them, send them to hell, right? That's what the justice would say. But, but the mercy of God says, I will not do that. 
I will give them every possible opportunity to respond and turn to me. Mercy gives more than what is required. Mercy gives more than what is required. Mercy grants more than what is earned. Mercy chooses to bless when it could curse. Chooses to bless when it could curse. Mercy creates a way for repentance leading to forgiveness. Makes repentance easier. Okay? Creates a path for repentance. Doesn't create roadblocks, but just the opposite. Mercy chooses to love first. It chooses to love more. It chooses to love consistently. And it is willing to wait when no one else will. How many are thankful God waited for you? Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Man, it's wonderful. Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He has not dealt with us according to our iniquities. Thanks be unto God. It's wonderful. It's interesting that all through the New Testament, as we kind of track the steps of Jesus, we see that many of his actions were based out of compassion. He was moved with compassion over and over again. He was moved with what? With mercy. The people he was ministering to, did they deserve it? Did they earn it? No. They didn't deserve it or earn it at all. It was the mercy of God reaching out to people. When Jesus healed the leper in Mark chapter 1, why did He do that? Because He was moved with compassion. When Jesus brought deliverance to the man that was oppressed with 6,000 demons in Mark chapter 5, what was that a response It was the response of mercy. In John chapter 8, when Jesus said to the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more, that was a response of mercy. When Jesus gave Judas opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, all the way through the the uh, the Last Supper, hmm? You know, you can imagine as Jesus was watching Judas' feet, he, I, I am sure his eyes were screaming at Judas, you don't have to go through with this. When Jesus gave Judas the, the piece of bread that was dipped into the gravy, that was an expression of deep friendship. Jesus was saying, you are a very close friend of mine. Amazing. And then, now they're in the garden. And Judas comes and the mercy of God reaches out to him one last time and says, Judas, are you really going to do this? Are you really going to do an act of treason by kissing me? He had opportunities after opportunity after opportunity to respond to the mercy of God. Probably one of the greatest pictures for me of the mercy of God is seen with the thief on the cross in Luke chapter 23. Here's these two guys on the cross next to Jesus. The one on one side looks at Jesus and said, Hey, if you're really who you say you are, get us down from the cross and you too. And the other guy looks at him and he says, What are you talking about? We're up here because we deserve it. We've done this. Now listen. Listen to this, what this guy says. This guy says, This man has none done nothing wrong. (laughs) How do you know that? In fact, he didn't just know that. 
Here we see the mercy of divine revelation that had come to this man on the cross. Amazingly, it just blows my mind. This man knew more about what was happening to Jesus than the disciples did who had followed Him for three and a half years and He had told them over and over again what was going to happen. They still didn't have a clue as far as what was going on. But this man on the cross, he says to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Wow! Where did that come from? Only the mercy of revelation that came to Him. And if God gives you revelation, don't ever get proud about it. Don't ever get arrogant about the fact that God has showed you something. Realizing that it comes from the mercy of God when God reveals something. And Jesus, of course, responds to Him not in justice, but in mercy, doesn't it? Because He didn't say, well, I'm sorry, guy. <laughs> you've gone too far. You've done too much. It's a little late. We're all on the cross now. We're all about ready to die. This is over. No, no, no. Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. The mercy of God. How powerful. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and, for, and forever. Yes. Satan will do everything he can to lose sight of the mercy of God in the midst of your failure. There may be somebody here today and you've just really blown it spiritually. You've gone the wrong direction. You've made wrong decisions. You knew they were wrong. You did them anyhow. You made wrong choices. And Satan is roaring in your ear today and saying, you might as well just give up. What are you doing even going to church? You don't even deserve to be here with these people that call themselves Christian. Look at your life. Look, look, look what you've been doing. You're not a Christian. You call yourself a Christian, but remember what happened yesterday or last week or last month. You don't deserve to even be a part of this group of believers here at Christian Center. You might as well just leave here and never come back. That's not the Word of God speaking to you. That's the, that's the work of Satan roaring in your ear. Because Jesus is saying, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Heavy laden. Laden with what? Laden with sin. Laden with guilt. And I will give you rest. He still gives more than what is required. He still grants more than what's earned. He still blesses when He could curse. He still creates a way for repentance. He still, he, he still loves first. He still loves more. He still loves consistently. He still is willing to wait when no one else will. Now quickly, there's, as I, as I wrap this up this morning, there's the other side of this whole issue of mercy throughout the Scripture. It's beautifully pictured in Matthew 18 in the story about a servant. King one day called the CPA in charge of, 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 of the government books and he says, I want to just check to see who owes me money. He looked down the list and, and, and here he discovered that one of the guys that was actually on staff, that was one of his prime servants, actually had been kind of absconding money, taking money out of the till. This guy owed millions of dollars. So he calls the guy in and he says, Hey, bud. Pay up everything you owe right now. And if not, I'm going to throw you, your family into prison. I'm going to sell all your property and you're going to be there until you pay everything you owe. The guy falls down on his face before him and says, I can't pay anything. I'm sorry. 
Please don't throw me in prison. And the king has compassion on him. He says, compassion on him. He says, okay, I'll do it. I'll forgive you everything. I'll forgive you everything. You can imagine how that guy felt. I'm sure he walked out of there singing zippity doo He was happy, man. You can imagine. He was just so excited about what was going on. You know, and he's walking down the street. He sees a guy that owes him a couple thousand dollars. And he grabs him by the shirt and he says, pay me everything you owe me. You can see his veins in his neck. His face is red. And the guy does almost exactly the same thing. Falls down and says, I can't, don't have the money right now, but I'll pay you all that you owe. Just give me time. He says, are you kidding? I'm not giving you any time. He says, he sees some soldiers. He says, throw this man in a prison. Well, it just so happens that some of the other servants were observing what was happening. And they went back to the king and said, we, we, we couldn't believe it. You just forgave this man millions. He turns around. A guy owes him a couple thousand bucks. And he, he just threw him in prison. You know the end of the story. The king calls the guy back in and says, Forget mercy. <laughs> now, we're, now we're to the point of justice. Now you're going to get everything you deserve. Everything you deserve. James chapter 2, verse 13 says, There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy. Do you cut people off at the shoestrings? Huh? Do we give more than what is required? Do we grant more than what has been earned or deserved? Do we bless when we could curse? Do we create an atmosphere where repentance is easy for people? Do we release the debt when it was their own fault? Do we love first? Do, do we love more? Do we love consistently? Are we willing to be patient when no one else will? God has called us to mercy. He has called you to live that kind of lifestyle. And literally, He says, if you want my mercy, if you don't want me to cut you off of the shoestrings, you better act like me towards other people. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. Father, I thank You today for the Word of God. I thank You for the mercy of God that is so readily available. We're humbled by it. We're moved by it. It brings us to our knees when we realize how we deserve absolutely nothing from You. But because You are compassionate, because You are a God who loves us, so graciously and tenderly you reach out to us, Lord. And you forgive, not once, but twice, many times over. Many of us have come back to you so many times needing your forgiveness and you have been so compassionate. We're grateful for that. And I'm praying right now, God, for people all over this congregation who need a merciful God this morning. Satan would beat them down, would roar in their ears, say they don't deserve anything. But you are saying, come unto me. I will forgive. I will restore. I will cleanse. I will heal. Just come to me. 
If that's you this morning, I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to point you out. But if you need a merciful God this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. We want to just pray for you today that, that God would pour out His mercy upon you. God bless you and you and you and you and you and you. Are there others this morning that would just quick put your hand up? You can put it right back down. I need the mercy of God. God bless you, sir. God bless you, man. Hallelujah. God bless you, sir. So it's between you and God. God bless you, young man. God bless you. How wonderful we can come. God bless you, young lady. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we come with our guilt like that man did with his owing a million dollars to the king. We come that way today, Lord. And we say to you, be merciful to us. Forgive us, Lord. Cleanse us. And we are so grateful, Lord, that your forgiveness and cleansing is, is there to be poured out. Not, not in teaspoonfuls, but in bucket loads. And you are right now pouring out buckets of forgiveness and cleansing and mercy and grace into the lives of people this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you are for us and not against us. And Lord, this morning as we repent and we turn from sin and we turn from wrong decisions and wrong ways, we turn to you and we open our hearts to you and we, we receive fully the grace of God and the mercy of God in our life. We receive your forgiveness that's being poured out upon us. We don't deflect it. We don't put some kind of raincoat over ourselves to deflect your mercy, but we receive it and we let it soak into our lives and we take it this morning. Because that's why you gave it to us. So that we might receive it fully. Will you just say with me, thank you God for your mercy. I receive your mercy. I accept it today. I don't deserve it. But you've given it to me. I love you so much, Jesus. Hallelujah. Just begin to praise him now. He's forgiven you. Begin to praise Him. Just lift your voice and praise. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. Whether you did it today or you're just rejoicing in God's forgiveness and mercy in your life. Oh, God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I receive it. I don't receive it lightly, Lord. I don't receive it foolishly, Lord. I don't receive it in a way where I'm going to take advantage of your mercy. But I receive it, Lord, with gratefulness. Thanksgiving in my heart. Thank you, Lord. One more thing before I turn it back to Pastor Jeff. Just bow your heads with me one more time. Some of you have been really hard on people. You've been really hard on people. Maybe a spouse. Maybe a friend. Maybe children. Maybe grandchildren. Maybe people that work under you, work over you. <laughs> but in some context, you've been just really tough on people and you have not lived a lifestyle of mercy. And at the same time, you receive the mercy of God and you just have come under deep conviction today that you need to change your ways of how you treat people. Would you just acknowledge that by raising your hand to the Lord? I'm saying, God, I'm changing my ways how I treat people today. God bless you. So many of you. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
You know what that shows? That shows a tender heart. Shows a tender heart. You know, God responds to humility. He resists pride, but he responds to humility. And if we'll just humble ourselves before God and say, God, I've been a real jerk. (laughs) I've been just jerking people around and treating people the way they shouldn't be treated. And God, forgive me today. And Lord, I'm just going to start treating people with honor the way you treat them. With mercy, compassion, tender concern. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the privilege of being in this service this morning. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit we sensed even during worship. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of just breaking a little bit of the bread of your word today. I just pray your blessing on this place. Lord, it just just feels to me this place is going to be way too small real soon. And God, we just pray you'll bless this church with an amazing sense of being able to continue to reach the community even as they are doing in many new and vital ways to impact this city for Christ. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Colleen. It's his wife. Yeah. She let him come. Right? Amen. Bless her heart. I think we... uh, Kind of rhetorical question, but that was a a message that hits the mark today. Right? Hit my mark, hit your mark. Let me just remind us that if if you're visiting on the back of the flyer you were given on the way in is a menu, if you will, of our cell groups. We call them lighthouses, small groups that meet throughout the community during the week. And uh, if you're not in one, we invite you to participate. Here's an easy way to do that this week. Rather than meeting in the homes and businesses that we normally meet in with ourselves, on Tuesday night, a number of those groups are going to come together here at 645. Everybody's welcome. Cell leaders, you know that you're going to be bringing yourselves with you. And uh, on Tuesday, 645, or Thursday at 645, Wednesday, the two recovery cells uh, will meet at the White's home, and that will be a special evening. You need to connect with them if you want to get into that one uh, on Wednesday night. Limited space, I'm sure. Wall to wall, and that'll be exciting. Amen. Thursday morning at Pastor Mike's uh, men's breakfast group at Lumberjack, six thirty. We're going to rouse Dave up early. This is a wonderful thing that he's doing for us as a cell church. We believe that church happens in the cell, right? And that we're cell driven, and that's where God does business with us during the week. And then we come together to celebrate what He's doing in those groups. So uh, when I explained this to Dave, he said, you know, he would be willing to stay all week and minister in the church. You know, oftentimes weekend speakers would just come and speak, kind of, you know, hit and run, and they're off to the next one. But I said, hey, you know, you really don't maybe have a lot going on between the two weekends. Would you stay? And he said, I'll do it. Now, in the meantime, he has to drive to Pasadena tonight. He has a 4 o'clock service with a Finnish church. Uh, and then he'll come back on Monday and be with us Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So we appreciate that. Dave, thank you. I know oh, it's above and beyond the call of general duty. Uh, but we're going to have some fun dragging everything we can out of him. Amen. And, uh, so Tuesday night here, 645. Thursday night here, 645. Wednesday at the Whites. Thursday morning breakfast. And uh, what if I'm missing anything? Lighthouse Keepers, Ron, today at 3, 3 to 5 right here. So we'll see you back this afternoon for our monthly meeting. 
And uh, as far as offerings go, I know that you're always tuned into that. How do we how do we bless the ministry? Everything that you would decide to give to IRRTV will go to IRRTV because their vision is uh, complete enough and, and they've stretched their ministry far enough to actually put Dave on staff. And so all of his needs are taken care of. Uh, I even asked him, what if I wanted to bless you personally? And uh, it, it can't happen. He's taken care of. God's taken care of him. The ministry takes care of him. He said, no, everything that happens when I'm out ministering is for the ministry. So I appreciate that uh, integrity in him as well. That's something to be noted. So if you'd like to, you can give it a, ch- a check to the church or your offering to the church. Use the regular envelopes, put it in the wall, make it out to Christian Center like you normally do, and then put IRRTV in the memo or on the envelope. You can do that. Uh, you know, maybe you didn't come prepared to do that today, but we will be receiving offerings uh, all on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday meetings. Okay, so you can be prepared to do it on those times. And then all of that will go right to the ministry and help happen what we've seen here today. And I'm grateful to be a part of that. There was a time when we were had Wednesday night services here way back. And I just share this with you. It's a piece of history you might not know about us. It was a small group, and we were together on that night. And somebody came, uh, this gentleman came to the church. He sat right over there where Joel was sitting. And uh, we'd never seen him before. I've never seen him since. <laughs> And in the service, some of you might have been there, I don't know, but he said, excuse me, would it be okay if I said something? We said, sure, please, go right ahead. He stood up. He said, the Lord has spoken to me to tell you that you're going to be involved. This church is going to be involved in missions in these three nations. He said, Russia, in Mexico, and Israel. And then he sat down. And then he disappeared. Never here again that I know of. Unless it's you, Joel. I don't recognize you. No. <laughs> Same chair. No, it wasn't you. Okay. And, uh, and we just hung on to that. You know, you get a word of the Lord. You can't force it into being. And we're also involved in Kenya. We're involved in a lot of places. But it wasn't. It was shortly after that that I started making some trips into Russia and uh, Latvia and Lithuania and Estonia and places like that. And uh, the ministry that I was involved with, that didn't continue long term. And I just told Dave yesterday, I said, hmm, here we are with Russia and Israel in the same boat. And, uh, of course, we're all up to our necks in Mexico, so. Gloria a Dios. Adelante. So, but let me dismiss. I won't preach a second service. just want to read from Titus chapter 2. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no one despise you. You go today and be blessed in Jesus' name. And, uh, again, there's a, a clipboard back there. If you want the information to be mailed to your house, uh, sign up, put your address on there so they can get in touch with you and uh, love one another. And uh, would you be sure and hug my twin brother who really <laughs> knows how to dress. Amen. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you very much. God bless, God bless you, man. Oh.
I privilege. Thank you. <laughs>